Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Ethan, Chapter 3. The house Ethan and his family called home was a huge two-story Victorian set against the softly rolling land of South Texas with cattle grazing and pastures that seemed to stretch forever. It was the very picture of an old-time western movie set, except that the cattle in their fence pastures were very real and the fences were sturdy and purposeful, not picture-perfect and overly neat. Jacobsville was within an easy drive of Houston, and Victoria was even closer. It had a small-town atmosphere that Arundel had always loved, and she'd known the people who lived there most her life, like the Ballinger brothers who ran the biggest feedlot in the territory, and the Jacobs, Tyler and Shelby Jacobs Ballinger, whose ancestry, ancestor the town was named for. The elegant one mansion, with its bone-white walls and turret and gingerbread laid Lattice work was beautiful enough to have been featured in a lifestyle magazine from time to time. It continued some it contained some priceless antiques, both from early Texas and from England, because the first Hardemans had come over from London. The Hardemans were old money. Their fortune dated to an early cattle baron who made his fortune in the latter part of the nineteenth century during a blizzard that wiped out half the cattle ranches in the west. Actually, in the middle of the family name had been in the beginning the family name had been hartman but owing to the lack of formal education of their ancestors the name was hopelessly misspelled on various documents until it became harderman ethan looked like the portrait of that early harderman that graced the living room mantle they were probably most much the same personality type arabelle thought as she studied ethan over the coffee he'd brought to the guest room for her. he was forbidden looking foreboding looking man with a cool very formal manner that kept most most people at arm's length thank you for letting me come here she said he's a, we've got plenty of room he looked around the high ceiling of the room she began this was my grandmother's bedroom he was, remember hearing mother talk about her she lived to be 80 and was something of a hell raiser she was a vamp or some such thing back during the 20s and her mother was a dead-eyed in the wool surfer suffer it one of the blooming girls out campaigning for the vote for women and for her arabella she'd have liked you he said glancing down her she had spirit too she sipped her coffee. do i have spirit i let my father lend me around by my nose my whole life and i guess i'd still be doing it if it hadn't been for the accident she glanced at the cast on her wrist sighing as she juggled the coffee mug in one hand ethan what am i gonna do i won't even have a job and daddy always took care of the money this is no time to start worrying about the future, he said from Concentrate on getting well. But I'll take care of everything, he interrupted. Your father included. She put the coffee cup mug down and lay back against the pillows. Her wrist was still uncomfortable and she was taking pain capsules fairly regularly. She felt slightly out of focus and it was so nice to just lie there. Let me, Ethan make all the decisions. Thank you, Ethan, she said and smiled up at him. He didn't smile back. His eyes slid over her face in an, in an exploration that set all her nerves tingling. How long has it been since you've had an, any real rest? He asked her after a minute. She shifted on the pillows. I don't know. It seems like forever. <laughs> she said, there was never any time. Her stomach muscles clenched as she remembered the constant pressure, the practice that never stopped. The planes and motel rooms and concert halls and recording dates and expe expedient audiences. She felt her body going rigid with remembering stress as she recalled how she'd had to force herself more and more to go out on the stage to keep her nerve from shattering at the night. At uh, the sight of all those people, 
I suppose you'll miss the glamour. Ethan murmured. I suppose, she said absently and closed her eyes, missing the old look that passed over his dark eyes. You better get some sleep. I'll check on you later. The bed rose as he got up and left the room. She didn't even open her eyes. She was safe here, safe from the specter of failure, safe from her father's long, disapproving face, safe from the cold whip of her, of his eyes. She wondered if he was ever going to forgive her for failing him and decided that he probably wouldn't. Tears slid down her cheeks. If only he could have loved her just a bit for what she was underneath her talent. He never seemed to love her. Corin sat with her for the most of the day. Ethan's little mother was a holy terror when she was upset, but everyone loved her. She was the first person in the door when someone was sick or needed help, and the last to leave. She gave generously, she gave generously of her time and money, and none of her children had a bad word to say about her, even in adulthood. Well, except Ethan, and sometimes Aaron Bell thought he did that just for amusement, because he loved to watch his mother throw things in a temper. Aaron Bell had seen... The result of one memorable fight between mother and son back during her teenage years when she was visiting Ethan's brother and sister with Mary. Aaron Bell, Mary Jane, and Matt had been playing Monopoly on the living room floor when Ethan and his mother got into it in the kitchen. The voices were loud and angry, and unfortunately for Ethan, his mother had been baking a cake when he provoked her. She threw a whole five-pound bag of flour at him, followed by an open jar of chocolate syrup. Arabella, Mary, and Jane, and Matt had seen Ethan walk by, covered from Stetson, hat to Buddha feet in a white cup, flower, and chocolate servant, leaving a trail both behind him on the wooden floor as he strode toward the staircase. Arabella and the others had gaped at him, with one cold-eyed look in their direction dared them to open their mouths. Arabella had hidden behind the sofa and collapsed into silent laughter while the others struggled violently to keep straight faces. Ethan hadn't said a word, but Corin had continued to fling angry insults after him from the kitchen doorway as he stomped upstairs to shower and change. For a long time after, Arabella had called him the chocolate ghost, but not to his face. Corin was just a little over five foot three with the dark hair all her children had inherited, but hers was streaked with silver now. Only Ethan shared her gray eyes. Jan and Matt had dark blue eyes like their late father. Do you remember when you threw the flower at Ethan? Arabelle asked, thinking aloud as she watched Corin's deft fingers working a crochet hook, crochet hook through a growing black and red afghan. Corin looked up, her plump face burning. Oh, yes, I do, she said with a sigh. He refused to sell that big leaning you always liked to ride. One of my best friends wanted him, you see, and I knew you'd be away at music school in New York. He wasn't a working horse, she chuckled. Ethan dug in his heels, and then he gave me that smile. You know the one, when he knows he's wanting, he's daring you to do anything about it. Remember looking at the open flower sack? She cleared her throat and went back to work on the afghan. The next thing I knew, Ethan was stomping down the hall, leaving a trail of flour and chocolate syrup in his way, and I had to clean it up. She took it. I don't throw things very often these days. Only paper or baskets. And nothing messy. Arabelle smiled at the gentle <sighs> countertist, wishing deep in her heart that she'd had a mother like Corin. Her own mother had been a quiet, gentle woman who she barely remembered. She died in a wreck when Arabelle was only six. Arabelle didn't remember ever hearing her father talk about it, but she recalled that he'd become a different man after the funeral. She twisted her fingers in the blue quilted coverlet her father had discovered by accident that Arabelle had a natural talent for the piano and had become obsessed with making her use it. He'd given up his job as a clerk in a law office and had become a one-man public relations firm with his daughter's with his daughter as his only client. Don't brood, dear, Corin said gently, when she saw the growing anguish on Arabella's lovely face. Life is easier when you accept things that happen to you and just deal with them as they coop.
crop up. Don't go searching for trouble. Arabella looked up, shifting the cast with a wince because the break was still tender. They'd taken out the clamps that had held the surgical wound together before they put on the cast, but it still felt as if her arm had been thrown to thrown through a meat grinder. I'm trying not to, she told Ethan's mother. I thought my father might have called at least since they put me back together, even if it was just to see if I had a chance of getting my career back. Being cynical suits my son. It doesn't suit you, Corinne said, glancing at her over the small reading glasses that she wore from work. Betty Ann is making a cherry cobbler for dessert. My favorite, Aaron Bell groaned. Yes, I know. Ethan told us. He's trying to fatten you up. She found out the old woman. Is Marin really trying to come back to him? With a long-suffering sigh, Corrin laid the afghan and crochet hook over her knees. I'm afraid so. It's the last thing in the world he needs, of course, after the way she cut up his pride. Maybe she still loves him, Maribel suggested. Corrin cocked her head. Do you know what I think? I think she's lost her latest lover and left her pregnant. She'll try to lure Ethan in bed and convince him it's his child, so that he'll have to take her back. You really should write books, Sarah Bell said. That's a great plot. Corn made a face at her. Don't laugh. I wouldn't put it past her. She isn't as pretty as she used to be. All that hard living and hard drinking had left their mark on her. One of my friends saw her on a cruise recently, and Marion was pumping her for all sorts of information about Ethan. If he remarried or if he was keeping company with anyone. He wants to, me to keep company with the Marion Bell mission. To keep Marion at bay. Is that what he told you? Corn smiled gently. I suppose it's as good as excuses any. What do you mean? Arabella asked curiously. Corn's your kid. That's for Ethan to tell him. Were you going to keep company with him? It seems little enough to do for him when he's kind enough to give me a roof over my head. And turn the whole household upside down on my account, she said miserably. I feel like an intruder. Nonsense, Corn said easily. Well, we all enjoy having you here, and none of us wants Miriam to come back. Do play up to Ethan. It will turn Miriam green with envy and send her running. Is she gonna stay here? Arabelle asked Wernley. Over my over my dead body. Each had trod from the doorway, staring across the room at Arabelle. Hello, dear. Been rolling in the mud with the horses again? Corn asked pleasantly. He did look that way. Arabelle had to admit he was wearing working gear. Chambray shirt, thick denims, weathered old leather chaps, boots that no self-respecting street cowboy would have touched with a stick, and a hat that some horse... And a hat that some horse had stepped on several times, his dark skin had a thin layer of dust on it, and his work gloves were grasping one lean hand that didn't look much cleaner. I've been doctoring calves, he replied. It's March, he reminded Round up his in full swing, and we're on the tail end of cabin. Guess who's going to be night hawking the prospect of mamas this week? Not Matt, Corrin ground. He'll leave home. He needs to. Ethan said it purely. He and Mary can't cuss each other out with an aunt. Without an audience around here, it's going to affect their marriage sooner or later. I know, Corrin said sadly. I've done my best to persuade Matt that he can make it on his own. God knows, he can afford to build a house and furnish it on his income from those shares Bob left him. We're too good to him, Ethan pointed out. We need to start refusing to speak to him and putting salt in his coffee. If he puts salt in my coffee, I'll stop the cup. I'll stuff the cup up your... Corrin began yelling. Go ahead, Ethan said when she hesitated his pale ass mark. Say it. You won't embarrass me. Oh, I'll drink to that, Corn murmured. You're too much. My son would be embarrassed. Arabelle looked from one to the other. You do favor each other, she said. Your eyes are almost exactly the same shade. He's taller, Corn remarked. Much taller, shrimp. He agreed, but he smiled when he said it. Corn glared at him. Did you come up here for any particular reason, or do you just enjoy annoying me? I came to ask Arabelle if she wanted a cat. Arabelle gaped at him. A what? 
A cat, he remarked. Bill Daniels is out from with a mother cat and four kittens that he's taken to the vet to be put down. Yes, I want a cat. Never Bill said it one. Five cats, she nodded her little God knows what my father will say when he finds out, though. He hates cats. Why not think about what you want for a change instead of what your father wants? He didn't ask Orly. Or have you ever had your own way? Once. He let me have chocolate ice cream when he told me to get vanilla. <laughs> that isn't funny. He said, sorry. Tune back against me. I guess I never tried to stand up to him. It was the truth. Even though she rebelled from time to time, her father's long-standing domination had made it difficult for her to assert herself. Incredible when she thought nothing of standing up to Ethan. No time like the present. I'll tell Bill we'll keep the cats. He moved away from the door to him. I've got to get back to work. Like that, Cornish? You'll embarrass your men? They won't want to admit they work for somebody as filthy as you are. My men are even filthier than I am, he replied proudly. Jealous becomes... Jealous because you're clean. Cory moved a hand on the trash basket, but Ethan just smiled and left the room. You wouldn't have thrown it at him with you, Arabella. Why not, Cory asked. It doesn't do to let men get the upper hand, Bella, especially not Ethan. She had looking at Arabella softly. You've learned that much, I see. Ethan is a good man, a strong man, but that's all the more reason to stand up to him. He wants his own way, and he won't give an inch. Maybe that was one reason he and Miriam couldn't make a go at it. That, in her wild ways, one man just was enough for her, Corrin replied. I can't imagine anyone going from Ethan to someone else. Aaron Bell said, he's unique. I think so. Even if he is my son, Corrin picked up her afghan and her crochet hook. How do you feel about him, Bella? I'm very grateful to him for what he's done for me. She said, hey, basically, he's always been like a big brother. You don't have to pretend, Corrin said quietly. I'm perceptive, even if I don't look like it. She lowered her eyes, her cushion. He made a mistake of his life by letting you get away. I'm sorry for both of you that it didn't work out. Arabelle studied the coverlet under her nervous hands. It's just as well that it didn't, she replied. I have a career that I hope to get back to. Ethan, well, maybe he and Marion will patch things up. God forbid. Corrine muttered. She sighed wearily. Life goes on, but I'm glad Ethan brought you home with him, Bella. She's looking. He's a carefree man, and he takes on too much responsibility sometimes. He's forgotten how to play, but he changes when he's with you. Makes him happy to see how different he is when you're around. You always could make him smile. Arabelle thought about that long after Corin had gone downstairs to help Betty Ann in the kitchen. Ethan did smile more when they with her than he did with other people. He always had. She noticed it, but it surprised her that his mother had. For two days, Arabelle was confined to bed against her will. Doctor's orders, they told her, because she'd been concussed and barely bruised in the wreck. But on the third day, the sun came out and the temperature was unnaturally high that afternoon for early March. She got downstairs by herself, a little wobbly from her enforced leisure, and sat down on the porch swing. Corn had gone to the ladies' circle meeting and Mary was shopping, so there was no one to tell her she couldn't go outside. Mary had helped her dress that morning in a snap front full denim skirts and a long sleeve blue sweatshirt. She tried she tied her hair back with a blue velvet ribbon. She looked elegant even in such casual attire, and the touch of makeup she used made her look more alive. Not that anyone would be around to notice. That was where she was mistaken. The pickup truck pulled into the yard, and Ethan got out of it, pausing on the steps when he saw her sitting in her swing. Who the hell told you to get out of bed? He demanded. I'm tired of staying in bed, she replied. Her heart went wild just at the sight of him. He was wearing faded jeans and a chambray shirt with a beat-up tan Stetson and his boots were muddy as he joined her on the porch. It's a beautiful day. She had it open. So it is. He lit a cigarette, leaned against the post. His pale eyes lanching over her. I checked with your uncle this morning. Did you? She watched him curiously. Your father left Dallas for New York this morning. His eyes know her. Do you know why? 
Tigger missed the bank account, I guess, if there's anything in it. There's something in it, he said pleasantly, but he won't get to it. I had my attorney slap an injunction on your father, and the bank has orders not to release a penny to him. That's where I've been. Ethan! It was, it was that or have him get you by the purse strings. Purse strings, he said quietly. When you're back on your feet again, you can play 20 questions with them. Right now, you're here to get well, not to have yourself, yourself left penniless by your mercenary father. Do I have much? She asked, dreading the answer because her father enjoyed a luxury's lifetime. You have 25000 he replied. Not a fortune, but it will keep you if you invest it properly. She stared at his muscular arm, remembering the strength of him. I don't think ahead, she said. I let him put the money in a joint account because he said it was the best way. I guess I owe you my livelihood, don't I? She had a smile. You're earning it. He replied quietly. By helping you get rid of Mary of children. We'll have to do a little work on you first. He returned. He studied her for a long time. You washed your hair? Actually, Mary and I washed my hair. I have to get Mary to help me dress this thing on, she muttered, holding up the arm with a cast and then grimacing at the twinge of Pentecost. I can't even fasten my bra. She bit up the rest of the word. His eyes now. Embarrassed to talk about undergarments with me. Yes, I know what women wear under their clothes. He grew suddenly distant and cold. I know all too well. Miriam hurt you very badly, didn't she, Ethan? Just without Mamie's gaze. I suppose having her come back here makes all the scars open up again. She looked up then, catching the bitterness in his expression before he could erase it. He sighed heavily and lifted the cigarette to his lips with a vicious movement of his fingers. He stared out over the horizon briefly. Yeah, she hurt me, but it was my pride, not my heart. That took a beating when I threw her out. I vowed that no woman was going to get a second shot of me so far. No one has. Was he warming her, warning her off? Surely he knew that she'd never have the courage to set her cap for him again. He knocked her back hard enough over Miriam. Well, don't look at me, she said with a forced smile. I'm definitely not mighty hard in materia. Some of the tensions left him. Stubbed out the finished cigarette and an ashtray neighbor. All the same, little one. I can't see you sleeping around before or after Mary. We go to church, she said simply. I go to church myself. She clasped her hand in her lap. I read about this poll they took. Said that only 4% of the people in the country didn't believe in God. The 4% that produce motion pictures and television programs, no doubt. <laughs> he muttered dryly. She burst out laughing. That was unkind, she said. They aren't atheists. They just are, they're just afraid of offending somebody. Religion and politics are dangerous subjects. Never worried about offending people, Ethan replied. In fact, I seem to have a knack for it. She smiled at him. He made her feel alive and free, as if she could do anything. Her green eyes sparkled as they met and held his silver ones, and the same electricity ran between them that, that, that had bond them together. Years ago, one lazy day in late summer, the look had been translated into physical reality that one day, but now it only made Arabella sad for something she'd never have again. Even so, Ethan didn't look away. Perhaps he couldn't. She thought dazedly, feeling her heart shake with its beats. Her body tingled all over with a sweet, remembered pleasure. He said something rough under his breath and abruptly turned away. I've got to get down to the holding pins. If you need anything, sing out. Betty Ann's in the kitchen. He left without a backward glance. Her bear stared after him with open longing. It seemed that she couldn't breathe without setting him off. 
And even if he could have felt something for her, he wasn't going to let his guard down again. He already said so. Marion had really done a job on his pride. Swing back in the swing and started it swinging. Odd that he hadn't found someone to replace Marion as soon as his marriage was over. He could have had his pick on looks alone, never mind the fortune behind his name. But he'd been a loner ever since, from what Mary had said. Surely Marion couldn't have hurt him that much, unless he was still in love with her. She sighed. She was a little afraid of Ethan. She was too vulnerable, and he was close at hand and alone. Ironically, Marion's arrival might be her only hope of keeping her heart from being broken by him all over again. End of chapter 3